Hi, Housing News listeners. This is Austin O'Lloyd, and I'm the producer of this weekly podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. Today, you'll be listening to episode four of season four of the Housing News podcast. In today's episode, Sean Benosian, the nation's number one loan originator, joins the Housing News podcast to discuss how he became the company's first loan officer to fund $1 billion in loan volume in a single year, as well as the future of the U.S. mortgage market. During the interview, he explains how he's generated more than $4 billion in loan volume over the course of his decade-long career, as well as how guaranteed rate weathered the initial stages of the COVID-19 pandemic. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Now more than ever, homeowners and borrowers of the future need to understand impacts and options during times of financial hardship. Freddie Mac has made home possible for 50 years and is committed to providing assistance and clarity to the housing market. Through All for Home SM efforts, Freddie Mac Single Family is leading the future of housing through insights, education, mortgage, and business solutions. Learn more about resources to help you and the clients you serve at sf.freddiemac.com slash affordable lending. Thank you for listening, and here's the fourth episode of Season 4 of the Housing News Podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HousingWire, and this is the Housing News Podcast. I'm here with Sean Benosian, who has become Guaranteed Rate's first loan officer to fund $1 billion in loan volume in one year. And of course, we're only in September. Over the course of his decade-long career, Sean has generated more than $4 billion in funded loans. He's actually a repeat guest for Housing News, having been interviewed by our CEO, Clayton Collins, last season. So, Sean, we're excited to have you back, and congratulations on this incredible accomplishment. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on again. I think it's, uh, I'm honored to be here twice. Um, and, uh, like, you know, I think you guys are doing a great job. We appreciate having a voice in the industry that's putting out really great information. So thank you guys for everything you're doing. Well, thank you. You know, this $1 billion number, this didn't come out of nowhere. Last year, you funded $914 million, and you've been the number one originator in the country for the last two years and guaranteed rates top originator for five years. So when you were looking at 2020, was hitting a $1 billion the goal you had this year? You know, it definitely was um, coming into this year. I mean, um, it's it's been something we've been talking about for a few years. Like once we got to about $500 million a couple of years ago, we had our eyes on a billion because we felt like we were getting more scalable and we were, we were um, just doing a better job in terms of like proactively planning. And we kind of saw how it, like I, even doing 500 million, I felt like we left a lot of business on the table, but I also had a little bit more confidence that we could do it if we just kind of streamlined some of our processes, hired the right people uh, and, and just, uh, you know, worked really hard. And um, so going into it after having done 900 million the year before, definitely a billion was the goal. Now, obviously, um, you know, you never know what the year is going to bring. Like, you know, going into it, global pandemic wasn't on the radar, you know? So like, uh, right. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, and then, you know, even before that, you know, um, you know, obviously rates play a factor uh, in our business. Now we've been fortunate in the sense that as a part of our planning, we've always been very purchase business heavy on our end. Like we, that's always been the core focus of our business. Um, I think one of the big reasons that we were able to do $900 million a year before was that you know, we, we really stayed true to who we were in terms of like really focusing on those purchases and that market stayed hot. But when then rates came down, we were able to go back to all our clients that we've done business for in the past and let them know that, hey, rates are down, you should be refinancing. Um, and here's what opportunities presented itself. Uh, you know, and we had the ability to kind of have that kind of reach to be able to you know, capitalize on a falling rate environment. So going into this year, 
you know, we, you know, obviously you never know kind of which rate, way rates are going to go every year. There's projections and predictions and sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. Um, seemed like this year was going to be a low rate year. And then all of a sudden going into March, you know, you didn't know what to think when all of a sudden this coronavirus thing, you know, really kicked in. And I didn't know, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I was a little bit worried in March and April. I was like, what's going to happen? Is anybody going to buy a house? You know, what's going to happen with rates? Like, how's the Fed going to react? Like, you just don't know all those things. Um, you know, hindsight being what it is now, obviously rates came down and the housing market has been leading the way uh, in the U.S. economy. Um, so it's been, it's been really kind of, I feel fortunate that I'm in an industry where, you know, obviously things are going well, where so many other people so many industries are having a tough time. So I don't take that for granted, but you know, in our world, you know, the purchase markets remained extremely strong and that's a strength of ours. And, you know, we've had this massive refinance boom uh, that we were prepared for in the sense that, you know, we already were taking, um, you know, steps last year to get better at it. So, so to be able to kind of have super high purchase activity and super high refinance activity at the same time, uh, has been fun. And fortunately we were set up for it from a team standpoint, efficiency, communication, you know, uh, processes and people, uh, to be able to capitalize on it. And it's, it's worked out pretty well. I think we're going to do when it's all said and done, probably a billion, four billion, five this year. Um, and, uh, certainly that wasn't part of the projection. I just want, I would have been happy with 1 billion and $1. Uh, so to be able to kind of hit that in September was, uh, was, you know, obviously very nice. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, you've talked about the team model as key to your success, and that's what I'd love to dive into. You know, what does that look like for you? What, what, what is your team? What does it look like? Yeah, you know, um, the team's ever evolving. Um, you know, it's and it's definitely a key to my success. I certainly do, didn't do a billion dollars on my own. Uh, it's impossible, right? Like, there's nobody that could do it. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm very fortunate in the sense that I work with some really amazing people, and it's grown. You know, and um, so I think that. You know, no matter who you are as an originator, you should definitely focus on kind of uh, growth. And like I've always focused on a couple things. One is I know I'm really good at certain parts of the process and I'm passionate about certain parts of the process. And really, um, and, and that's what I want to work on. And then I also know that there's also really, really talented people out there that are really great and talented and passionate about other parts of the process that I have no interest in. And that can do a better job than me. So over the course of the years, we've grown the team uh, to bring on really impactful people in all parts of it. So, you know, I run my team just like, you know, in my opinion, a CEO runs their mortgage company, right? Like, you know, it's just different. It's at a different scale. So like, you know, I have, um, you know, I'm constantly thinking of, you know, sales, business development, marketing, operations, customer service, client retention. Um, all those things that are part of my business, right? Um, and so I hire people that can support all parts of that business. So how my team looks is I really have it kind of broken up into four areas or five areas, I'd say. There's an administrative function, there's sales support, operations support, marketing support, and, and uh, you know brand and business development support. And I have people supporting me in all those things. So clearly, obviously, you know, um, you know the, the most... Uh, backhanded compliment I get. Well, I would do that kind of business if I had that much, that big of a team as well. Well, I can tell you that the team did not fall from the sky and just like, you know, like it didn't just happen. It's been a, it's been a, um, it's been a major process and it, you know, it brings its fair, it brings its challenges too in the terms where you spend time developing and coaching and training and implementing processes. Uh, however, it's been uh, the biggest differentiator and biggest value add that we can bring to our clients and our referral partners 
uh, I wouldn't, you know, uh, if anything, uh, if I could do anything differently going back over the course of my career, I would have even uh, like dove into it earlier, right? Like, you know, it's, I always made, you know, I, so I, I came into the business um, back in, you know, I really got going into the business in 2008 as a loan originator, right? And so like I had worked for a small regional uh, mortgage company in like a call center type environment uh, from 2003 to 2008. In 2008, the call center literally overnight stopped existing. The mortgage company that we were working for shut down originations and pretty much laid off 3,000 people almost overnight. So I had a decision to make whether I was going to stay in the mortgage business or go do something else. I decided to stay, but there was really nobody hiring at that point. You know, I pretty much had to beg a, um, another small local regional company to allow me to be a loan originator. And so I started from scratch in 2008, but I never had that. I, I never forgot um, kind of having a pretty good job and then not having one the next day, like overnight with no, uh, with, you know, I literally became unemployed overnight in an industry where nobody was interested in it. And, um, so that was like always in the back of my mind. So and it was good in a lot of ways and it was, it was bad in a lot of ways. It was good because like it forced me to, you know, like, you know, you, you, you get a little, um, you want to be secure, right? So you're saving money, you're making, you're being cautious. You're looking like, you know, you always, you never forget that, that could happen again. And so you, you, you don't want to like grow this. You, you, I probably prevented me from spending money uh, on my business in terms of like marketing and people and all that kind of stuff. Cause I was always like, oh, I don't want to hire somebody. Then all of a sudden, if the business stops again, I got to get rid of them. And I was, I was nervous about that. Um, but then I, you know, I started slowly hiring, you know, and out of necessity because we were getting busier and busier and busier and I couldn't do more. And, um, and then I just got confident in terms of hiring. Like I was like, you know, I was like, I always kind of figured out like if I always hired the right people, the return on investment would be great. And frankly, even if the return on investment where I wasn't like doing more business or making more money, I always kind of in my mind would justify it as well. If it's the right person, I'll work less. Right. And that's okay too. So, um, and, and so, you know, it's, you know, I probably started hiring a little bit too late, but then once I got really, really comfortable with it, um, you know, uh, have been going full throttle with it and we've just been able to grow and scale. And that's been a massive, uh, help this year because, you know, one of the biggest challenges facing our industry right now is purely staffing. Um, you know, if you talk to any mortgage company right now, uh, no matter how great your technology is, and there's a lot of them out there, obviously we pride ourselves on that as well. You know, people are what really kind of differentiate everybody in this business. And, you know, we're, you know, all across the industry, everybody's hiring like crazy. And so because we had experience in terms of bringing people on, training them, we have process in place. It's been helpful to kind of scale up a little bit and be able to handle the volume. You know, certainly it hasn't been perfect. You know, we've got our, it's, it's, we've got our challenges, right? Uh, but it's been helpful. So, so I have a lot of, I have a lot of support, you know, we're doing a billion dollars, uh, you know, actually not a billion, we're gonna do a billion and a half this year, right? And so I got a support staff uh, of about 40 people that help all those loans go through, you know, and it's, it sounds like a big number, but when you compare it to a billion and a half, it's, it's, you know, there's mortgage companies that do a billion and a half dollars that have uh, way more staff than that doing that kind of production. So it's a very efficient model. Uh, but you know, we do a lot of condo business, so we have, you know, we have that. We're very well-rounded in our approach in terms of like the type of business we do. So like we do refis, we do purchases, but within that we're doing state housing, we're doing FHA, we're doing VA, we're doing, um, you know, jumbo loans, conventional, you know, F, you know, everything. So like, we're not like, we're not niche in terms of our products. So you have to have the staff that can kind of, you know, as, as we know, our, our business is just very compliant, very paper centric, not paper centric in the sense that like, we're not like, you know, everything's digital at this point, but like, there's just a lot of stuff. You got to reams and reams and reams of documentation you got to go through 
to get a loan approved and get it insured and get it sold. So, um, you know, we, we just need a lot of really smart people, really talented people and, and really hardworking people uh, of good character. And so like, you know, that's what, that's what I've been able to bring onto the team, you know, and it's, it's worked uh, for sure. And it's something I love, you know, I always grew up uh, playing team sports. Uh, I would not have as much fun doing this if I was doing it as like an individual contributor that doesn't make that wrong. There's a lot of people that enjoy that. I just get more fulfillment out of having success and winning uh, with my team than I would by myself. So that's why I've kind of done it for multiple reasons. And, and frankly, last part of it is I have a wife, I have three kids. Uh, you know, it's important for me that I want to be there for them and I want to enjoy life and have life experiences and all that kind of stuff. So although I work extremely hard, um, you know, having the team has allowed me to, you know, do that. Like, you know, I remember not having help and trying to go on my honeymoon or trying to go on a vacation and having to be on the phone 24 hours a day, even when I was there. And I was like, this is just not like the way I want to be living my life. I have no problem working hard, but like I wanted to be able to, you know, go to my kids' games and spend time with them and be off on the weekends uh, and, and just be able to, you know, have balance. The team also allows you to do that. So there's, there's a lot of reasons why uh, I went with the team approach, you know, um, it works for me. I love it. I, I wouldn't change anything. That's really interesting. You, uh, you know, you talked about you figured out what you're super passionate about and then, you know, found people to do the things you're not. What are some of those things in your business that you absolutely love? And you're like, no, no, I want to be the one doing that. Yeah. So, you know, I love the relationship building with the partners. Like I love meeting with our existing referral partners. Uh, I love meeting with new ones. Um, that is fun for me. Like, you know, that, that like, relationship building. I love uh, speaking to clients. You know, I actually, you know, uh, th there's a lot of paradigms people make in their head about everyone. I've done it, you know, and so everybody thinks like I don't talk to clients, whereas like I'm on the phone with clients all day. Like I love talking to first time home buyers. I love talking to my previous clients and figuring out what they're up to now. So like I love making time for a big portion of my day. The majority portion of my day is actually talking to my clients and like helping them and giving them advice and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, and then lastly, I, I love working on the business. Like to me, like it, it would not be enough for me if all I did, uh, I wouldn't get enough fulfillment if all I did was just, you know, lock loans all day and like issue pre-approvals. Like I need to be able to um, come up with ideas, um, you know, talk to my teammates, figure out new ways in terms of coming up with our vision of where we're going in the future, coming up with, you know, ways to implement the technology we're using, stuff like that. Um, so I like using my brain for that kind of stuff. Um, and, um, and, and so, you know, we work really, really hard, you know, especially a year like this where like the volume is just like, you know, we're drinking from a fire hose and loans right now. And, um, and so like doing that kind of stuff is just important to me. If, if that's all I could do all day long, that would be great. You know, and that's what I'm striving for. You know, certainly it's not perfection right now. Uh, we're always kind of moving forward and then you know like as much as like this year has been amazing like you know it has like we're, I guess I said we're very fortunate again it comes with this fair share of challenges in terms of like you know you've obviously service level staffing um and then just frankly just like your time or is being used in places where you know again it gets away from some of that stuff that I want to solely focus on and, and is you know you just kind of all hands on deck at certain points so so those are the things that I love to do I love to work on the business I like relationship building and I love talking to my clients and, you know, helping problem solve and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that, that, it, that, that to me is a perfect world. Yeah, you know, you have a 95% a client satisfaction rate. That's, that's uh, pretty impressive. It's not surprising when you look at um, your volume and 
well, I don't know. It, maybe it is totally surprising. I would just say that obviously that 95% uh, client satisfaction rate really plays into the fact that the people who did purchase with you want to do a refi with you. Um, but what do you think is, what are the most important roles on your team that contribute to that borrower satisfaction in your, in your opinion? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just really, really important to kind of um, stay current in terms of like what clients, uh, like put yourself in your client's shoes, right? And understand exactly what they want. When I say clients, that obviously means the borrowers, whether they're refinancing or purchase, but that also means all the other people that are involved in the transaction that are communicating with you, the realtors that are counting on you, the attorneys, title companies, you know, um, you know, and then your own internal customers uh, within your company and your vendors, right? So like, uh, you, you just got to figure out like ultimately what everybody wants, right? And then deliver that and deliver it in the way in which they want it to be delivered, right? You know, whether it's email, a communicate, a proactive communication, um, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, a digital experience or phone experience or in-person experience, like all those type of things. Um, but I, yeah, so I'd say first and foremost, it leads to understanding what they want, delivering it, and then some, and then honestly, just asking for feedback. One of the best things we ever did uh, years ago was we started um, asking our clients after every single transaction uh, what they thought about our experience and like what they liked, what they don't like, whether they'd refer us, whether they'd work with us again, and then why. Um, the thing that drove me nuts was that you know, sometimes we'd get surveys and somebody would come up with an excuse as to why the client was wrong or they didn't know what they were talking about and all that kind of stuff. And if you look at any successful business, that's like the last thing you should be doing. You, you should be thanking the client for the feedback and implementing it because like, I don't really believe most people want to give you bad feedback. They just want good service. And, it, and, and honestly, it's, we're fortunate because most people will just not give you the feedback and then won't work with you ever again. The people that give you the feedback, that's like the most valuable thing you can ever get. So it's listening to that feedback and figuring out ways to improve it so it doesn't happen again, right? Like we've all been consumers, you know, we know what like, you know, there's really great companies out there that just listen to clients, act on what they want and deliver it and they grow and they have success and they get, you know, and people keep going back to them. And that's ultimately what we're trying to build. We want our product to speak for itself and we want people, you know, my goal, you know, I wish I could get every single deal. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we get all our business comes from referrals, but like, you know, I want our experience to be so good when one of our clients, clients go somewhere else and now they have something to compare it to. They're like, that's not what we get with what we're used to. So like, I want us to really kind of hold up to a higher standard uh, consistently. And I want us to stand for execution, communication, efficiency, service level and, 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 you know, experience. Um, but, you know, so that's what we're constantly uh, figuring out how to get better. And, um, and then, you know, implementing technology and all the really great little value adds that we have. Um, so that, that's what we're doing. But listening to your clients is massively impactful. So many people challenge their clients and they give them bad feedback. And it's like, you know, uh, we, we use it as, to me, that's one of the best things we ever did. We'll never stop asking for feedback. We love reviews. Um, and, and, it's, and it's, you know, I'd rather know about it so I can fix it right away. Uh, then, then not know about it. You know, you, you've brought up um, efficiency several times, and obviously you have to be incredibly efficient to handle that volume. You know, when you, this year has been full of, you know, challenges for operations staff and, and, and operations in general. How have you guys handled that? How have you, have you had to hire a bunch? Have you, you know, what is the right ratio between your technology and your people? What does that look like for you this year? 
Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we've, we've definitely hired a bunch, both uh, internally as a team and as a company. Um, you know, it's definitely been one of the things that like, you know, it's hard because like, you know, when rates come down, you don't know whether they're going to come down, stay down, you know. And then we've seen times where we've seen massive volatility, rates go down and then they go back up and like, you know, you got to hire and then uh, cut back staff. Like that's not fun. Right. So you never want to, you never want to be, you, you just don't want to be wrong. Right. That's a challenge. But so anyways, bottom line is we have hired, uh, we've definitely had our fair share of challenges. I feel like we've done an amazing job uh, on the purchase side in terms of like maintaining uh, crazy execution because bottom line is like, there's less inventory than ever. And uh, there's more buyers out there than ever. So mortgage applications are up and then inventory's down, right? So prices are going up and then everybody wants to close quick, fast. There's massive competition. So you've got to be able to execute in the purchase market. So I think uh, what we decided early on was like, we're going to figure out a way to make sure that that's not going to be interrupted. We're going to do what has to happen in that market to um, have everybody that we've built our business with that are counting on us um, to, you know, uh, that we're going to be there for them when it, it is the most important in a crazy time, right? So we did a great job on the purchase side. Uh, I think where we saw some challenges where like the refi demand was so high um, that, you know, our, our refinance turn times uh, definitely slowed down a little bit, you know, uh, and they have across the industry, but uh, we just, like, you know, literally like, you know, and, and I think we've always done the right thing by the client in terms of like, you know, not making rate lock extensions and all that kind of stuff, their problem. Like I'd rather eat it on my end versus making it their issue. But like, um, you know, a refinance is not usually uh, life or death, right? Like you have a house, you know, you have a mortgage. Generally speaking, you're looking to um, save money or just ex pretty much change what you have going on. Uh, whereas a purchase, you know, you have a contract, you have a seller, you have a buyer, you have emotions, you have litigation potential, you have like all sorts of things that could go wrong. So uh, anyways, in a long-winded way, um, operationally, we've hired. Uh, I think uh, our service level and execution on the purchase side of things did not really suffer at all. I think we did a great job, especially considering, you know, we forget, like, how hard it was. It feels normal now, but, like, you know, if you remember back to April, you know, jumbo products were disappearing. FHA, FHA products had changed. You know, state housing stuff had changed. Warehouse lenders were doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and, like, we were navigating that stuff on the fly. Home equity loans became like impossible to get, you know, like the 80, 10, 10 product like disappeared overnight, you know? Um, so it was crazy. And then like, and then, you know, so, so the fact that we kind of dealt with all that stuff, closed everything, hit commitment dates, hit closing dates and a fast moving market was awesome. Um, and then on the refi side, I feel like uh, we figured out a plan that like, Hey, this is, you know, this isn't going anywhere. We're going to, we're fortunate that we're going to be in a low rate environment. It seems like for a while, obviously nobody can predict the future, but that's what we're seeing and reading and being told, um, you know, from the many different sources out there all over internally and externally. So now we're just like, you know, uh, we have to be able to deliver on that part of our business as well at the same level that on, as on the purchase side. So we're making sure that we can build all that out and just continue to do a great job for our clients and everybody's counting on us uh, on both sides of it and, that, and make us well-rounded. You know, I always use, analogies, uh, sports related analogies, you know, you know, you want to be a well-rounded player. You don't want to just really be good at offense and terrible at defense. Like they're the best players in the world are the ones that can do both. And so that's what we're striving to be. 
You know, with 40 people on your team now, uh, that's a lot of management and that's a lot of hiring constantly, right? What, if, if, I know that there are different skill sets and hard skills that you're looking for, but is there something that you look for in a team member where you know, when you see that, you're like, this, this person's going to be successful on our team and this, this is a great fit for our team? Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. So I would say, you know, first, you know, it's always about getting the right person for the right seat. Right. So it's not like a one size fits all. Like somebody that I would hire in marketing in, or business development is completely different than somebody who would be great in operations. Right. Um, or, or, or on the sales side. Um, you know, I think we have core values that we shoot for. You know, um, some of the things that come to mind, like, you know, win as a team is, is uh, one of them. Right. Do whatever it takes. And when I say do whatever it takes, I mean, it means work hard, do what the clients need. Like that extra service level and execution is important. You know, always improve um is is uh like something you know we're constantly just trying to improve our processes and our execution and our communication and, and all that kind of stuff um so uh we're constantly when we're hiring one we're trying to make sure um that we're hiring the right person for the right seat right making sure that they have you know the competence to do the job the desire to do the job the passion you know you could hire somebody super super smart and super um you know super skilled and put them in the wrong job and all of a sudden not do they're not going to do a great job they're not going to be passionate about them they're, they're not going to be fulfilled and you lose them and, and and obviously they don't they don't probably do a great job in that role as well so right person right seat is really important understanding that you know they get it they want it and they have the capacity to do it i think is really important and then frankly um you know it takes interviewing is not easy i think one of the mistakes that uh loan officers make a lot uh, and I've made it, but like, you know, I see it happen a lot is that one, they let somebody else, uh, you know, they let the company they work for hire for them and just give the, take people. And like, there's really, we work really hard in this business. There's a lot of hours of stress, you know, uh, and you're spending a lot of time with your team members and having the right people around you is important that you're going to mesh with and that are going to, you know, vibe with you. Uh, so I think that hiring, you know, actually taking accountability of that hiring is super important. Um, I think that, you know, hiring the opposite of you. I think so many times people start with like, you know, they want to hire somebody just like them. One, that's like almost impossible to do. And two, you know, you want to, you want to work on the things that you're passionate about and really great at. You want to find somebody that is totally great at and passionate about the exact opposite of you. And they, you can give them all that stuff that you don't like and you're not good at and they can work on that. And they're like, couldn't be happier. And guess what? If you take all the stuff that you're not great at and don't like and give it to somebody else who likes it and is great at it, the client experience is going to be that much better and you're going to be that much more valuable to your referral partners and your clients, right? So hiring the opposite uh, is the other part of it. And then lastly, it's like, you know, communicating, uh, you know, what your goals are, what your vision is, where you're going and just learning how to interview. And it's like, it's not one of those things that like, I'm not going to pretend and say, hey, I just like woke up one day and I was good at interviewing and hiring. Absolutely not. Like there's books out there, there's podcasts, there's all that stuff. Like everything's pretty much learned, right? Like we're not reinventing anything. You know, I, I love reading. I love listening to podcasts. I love, you know, talking to really successful people in all different industries and figuring out what's working for them and implementing it in our business. Um, certainly nothing is like, you know, um, I wish we were that like creative and like forward thinking, but like, you know, a lot of it is just taking other people's ideas and different businesses and seeing the success and failures they've had and try to make it authentic and real and, and make it a part of who you are. I think that's what a lot of successful business people do. 
What was one of those first moments when you realized this is something I don't like to do? I need to hire for this. This is something, and 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 you saw a big change once you did that. Yeah, you know, operationally, um, way like when we were doing like, um, so I remember doing over a hundred million dollars in production. It was you know, I don't know, six or seven years ago. But I remember doing like a hundred and. $20 million or something like that. It was, it was a big number at the time. And like, I was really, really happy about where I was. It was kind of like in my mind, it's like, I always said I want to do over a hundred million and I got there. And then I was like, and I just, I was going home like exhausted every day. And like, I was like, not, I, and I also knew, I, I knew I was like, I can do so much more business, but I can't get back to anybody. Like I can't like, and I'm, I wasn't really having fun. And it's because what was happening, we were bringing in all that business and then stuff would start to go wrong as it does in this business. And, and, and like I was spending all that time and trying to fix it. And then I wasn't doing any more relationship building, networking, client, talking to clients. Like what was happening is I'd spend some time, I'd go out and do relationship building, bring in deals, close loans, and then I'd have to stop and work on all this other stuff. So what was happening, it was like, it was, it was, there was ebbs and flows. Like there wasn't a consistent flow in terms of kind of new business. And I just wasn't having fun. And then I hired, um, I hired somebody that was like, Purely, I brought in as, as an operations person to take all that stuff off my plate completely. So that way, I was focused on bringing in all the business. Uh, and then my operations team would be focused on, you know, fulfilling the kind of the order, taking it from uh, locked loan application out to successful closing. You know, I'm still the loan officer, so ultimately the buck stops with me. So like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm a big believer the loan officer answers all the questions in terms of products, rates, numbers, uh, you know, and, and big ticket items. However, there's a lot of stuff that like, as long as our, my clients and my partners know that somebody at, 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 that's super skilled and smart and responsive is there answering those same questions, they don't necessarily need me, right? Like they need, they just need the answers and they want, so it's all about the experience and the brand and the service level. Uh, a lot of times, you know, the biggest badge of honor that loan officers make a mistake saying is, well, I'm a control freak. You know, and I, I'm a control freak. They only want me. I'm the only one that can do it. And, and that's, it's like, that, that's what holds most loan originators back from doing more business. Um, and whereas like the reality is there's a lot of really talented people out there, probably more so now than ever, you know, because some people, you know, unemployment's gone up because some industries that don't exist. There's a lot of really smart people out there that are in different industries that could be brought into our business that are being brought into our business that can, you know, deliver. Like we, none of us all started out as like loan officers, right? Like we did something before. And, uh, and we're here and we're doing okay. So like, I think it's just a matter of finding the right people and, and having the time. So uh, I think I forgot to kind of get to this point earlier, but when you bring people on, the other thing, um, the last mistake I think people make when they bring on new hires is, and I, was, I should have said this after the interviewing part, is they bring them on and they're like, all right, well, you know, like figure it out. Like you're a processor, so go process, or you're, you know, a sales assistant, so be my assistant. But it's like, you got to like, like, if you want them to act like you or do things like you or, 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 or you know, like know the things you know, well, you got to teach them, right? You got to put processes in place, systems in place, and you got to like repeat them over and over and over again. And then eventually you can let it go. I'll tell you right now, I don't really miss anything that I used to do. Like there's nothing, parts of my job that I've given up that I'm like, oh, I wish I still did that part. You know, like I really don't. Like I, I. I like working on this stuff that's fun. Like everybody should strive for working on this stuff that's fun, that's exciting, that's, you know, that, and that moves the needle. Um, but, you know, uh, so, so I think coaching and training and, and, and not just like one day, 
it's like an ever evolving time. And then, you know, it's fun seeing people succeed and learn and, 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 and take on more responsibility. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I've, uh, I've heard this, like, you know, I've heard, not heard it, but I've been told and I've, I believe in it, you know, trust equals capacity, right? So like the more people that I trust to help me and support me, the more capacity I have to do more business, uh, hire more people or spend more time with my family and be, and be out of here. So like, uh, so the more trust I have in the people that work for me and on my team and work with me to help accomplish all these big goals, it opens up more capacity to, to take on more. Well, let's talk about capacity. You know, this year, as you said, it, it's been amazing as far as volume, uh, but also that, that has its own challenges. So you have employees and, and consumers that you're working with, but your employees who are, who are dealing with, you know, a global pandemic and, and all sorts of things going on. Um, at the same time, they have all this massive volume. volume. How do you support them to make sure that your team, you know, is feeling the same way you are about like, you know, uh, I mean, it can be a crushing amount of volume right now. So, so how do you make sure that's not crushing them? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a crushing amount of volume. And I think it's really, really important to just, you know, I think um, it's really uh, important to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes. Right. So like, you know, we have to remember that literally overnight, you know, in March, everything was normal. And then like at one point it was like, Hey, we're just going to spend, you know, like I remember it was like, the order was like, Hey, we're going to shut everything down for two weeks. And that'll solve everything. We'll be back in two weeks when we will open the up, you know, and like, you know, and then all of a sudden it's been like six months and everybody's working from home. You know, fortunately, you know, it's in 2020 in the sense that like technology allowed for, um, you know, thankfully we have the bandwidth and the, the technology and the systems and all that kind of stuff where we could go virtually overnight, double capacity and still do business, right? Like not, you know, if, if this happened 10 or 15 years ago, it would have been a totally different story. Um, but you know, so the technology allowed for that, but you know, it's really hard. Like, you know, being a, uh, you know, if, if talking to my staff members, like being a working parent, right? Like, you know, now you got your kids at home with you all the time. Right. And the uncertainty of like that, not only are they home, but like, you know, they're not at school. So like they have to be educated. Like they have to get there. You know, you have to, right. you have to teach them. You have to make sure they're staying on, on schedule. They're interrupting your, your stuff. Like this stops and starts and like so i think at a human level just understanding that now you know um so like my wife works uh so i get to see firsthand like you know uh well both of us were home kind of that challenge for the battle for like who's who's going to go on what webinar first and who's going to have their conference call and then on top of that like you know i have a lot of respect for especially all the working moms out there not that working dads aren't uh aren't as important uh but like you know I feel like it's even harder in a lot of cases for working moms right now because of the responsibility they bear. And I just seen like what my wife's done in, in her career and then with the kids and all that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, sometimes I'm watching in awe of like all the stuff she's able to balance and, and all the other working moms on our team. But, um, you know, it's just learning that like, Hey, so work's important. Our clients are important, but like everybody's people too. And like, there's been times where we've had to give people breaks and just be like, Hey, listen, like, you know, go do life. Like, you know, loans are important, but like, you know, we're not, it's not brain surgery, right? Like it's not life or death. Like you can take, take some time, take a week, take a month, you know, go recalibrate your life, go figure out the schooling situation, go figure out the, you know, your childcare situation, whatever it is. But like, and everybody's different. Like there's different stresses and anxieties that come along with, you know, the health issues and, and so much other stuff that's going on in the world right now. That's like, you know, that it can get overwhelming. So like, um, so just making sure that you're talking to your people, 
you know, one of the things I think we did a good job with, especially at the beginning, was like, uh, and, and, you know, I'll give a lot of credit to our CEO, Victor. Uh, he, he led, and, and I learned a lot from him, but, uh, you know, every single week, our company was communicating, you know, he was on a webinar with the entire company, you know, twice a week, sometimes three times a week, the consistency of just, you know, pumping out information. And it was just like, it was, it was really awesome. So we tried to do the same thing within our team of just like, you know, there's so many changes happening, especially at first. And, you know, some people handle change well, other people don't. But I think one of the best things you can do is just effectively dish out communication in terms of like, what's going on, what's changing, here's how we're going to handle it. Here's what we're doing great. Here's what we're not doing so well. Here's what we hope to do well. And then, and then obviously just seeing how everybody's doing. And like, we tried to do some fun social stuff. Uh, you know, we were very involved in um, a lot of local charities. So we tried to, you know, use that as a great way to, you know, kind of bring everybody together and have something in common. But I think just get in front of everybody. Like, you know, I did more Zoom calls. I think probably everybody did. But like more Zoom calls in the last six months than I had in the previous 40 years of my life, right? Like it's like, and, and it was in an effort to just kind of have a sense of community because everything was so abruptly changed that, um, you know, so, so I think just being real, understanding what all your people are going through, understanding that nobody's life is the same. You know, uh, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And a lot of, I think a lot of people would love to come back to the office. You know, a lot of, you know, I, I'm in the office today. It kind of feels like, you know, it's like, it's like a vacation. Like you get away from it. You can just work. You forget about all the other crazy stuff that is going on. So I, I think that, you know, I think people like interaction. I think they like the social part of getting together. Uh, so I think, you know, when and if that becomes safe again and, and healthy and all that kind of stuff, like, I think you'll see people, you know, gravitate towards getting back in the office at some point uh, when it's obviously, like I said, safe to do so. Um, because I think there's, you know, there's a, as much as this is easy and this has become, in a lot of ways, we've also learned a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot of things we were doing before that were inefficient and there's a lot of ways to maintain human interaction uh, without having to be in person. But I think, you know, the pendulum always swings kind of one way to the other with everything. Right. And I think in, in a year or two, I think you'll see people craving like that, uh, that human to human to human interaction. again. however, I will say one of the coolest things has been being able to do stuff like this with our clients because it's become more normal, right. To like have a zoom call. So like, you know, six months ago, I would never do a zoom or a Skype with a client in person. Like, you know, everything would be a phone call. Sometimes people would come to the office. Now nobody comes into the office, but like it's become normal for like us to just have Zooms or FaceTimes with clients and have like in-person meetings. And I actually think that's been a massive positive experience because now I get to feel like I know my clients much better than I did before, which is funny because we're all like isolated, right? But like we're actually meeting them more. And I know what they look like and, and I have had some great interactions. You know, I did a loan, I did a refinance for one of my clients yesterday. I'd done, I think, three transactions for him before a purchase and a couple of refis. He'd never come in here. We'd always talk on the phone. I had no idea. And yesterday he was like, hey, let's do this refi. I'm going to set up a Zoom. So it's like I've been working with him for three years. I didn't know what he looked like, nothing. I had a great rapport, obviously. And we finally met yesterday over a Zoom call. So like, I think that's been great. And I hope that continues because that adds some, you know, it's not just about, you know, obviously digital's great, efficiency's great. But like, you know, the, the part that I love and miss about this job the most is like that human, human interaction. And that person like getting to really know your clients. And so I think in some ways over the last six months, that's come back. Really interesting. Um, you know, you talked about a time in your life when you were in your career, when you were really excited about a hundred million, obviously uh, of doing a hundred million in funding and you just got to a billion. 
was there any point along that way where you felt like you had to enlarge your thinking about what it was capable, what you were capable of doing? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, um, yeah. I mean, everybody should. You know, I remember when I got here uh, at Guaranteed Rate, I was doing uh, fifty million dollars at the previous company I was at, and I thought I was maxed out. And then I got here, and there was, um, you know, this is about eight years ago. There was an originator that had done four hundred million that year. And then there was a couple people that I think two people had done 300 million and somebody else had done two. And there was a bunch of people that did hundred million. And I, I thought that was like, I literally thought like it was like a scam. I was like, there's gotta be something like, there's no way that's impossible to do that. Kind of <laughs> uh, and then I got, you know, what I, what, one of the greatest things we did here is that, you know, we would have quarterly uh, roundtables with like the top 40 or 50 producers in the company. And then you would just meet with them and talk to them and listen to them about what they were doing. And then, you know, as I, as I started networking in the business, you'd, you know, you'd travel and you'd meet other people that were doing big numbers. And the biggest thing that I realized is that, one, they're just normal people like us. Like, there's no superhumans in the mortgage business, right? Everybody's just – and the, the cool thing is that everybody does it in a completely different way. But it's just all about, like, having what works for you. And then, you know, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of really, really smart people. But, like, it's definitely doable. So I think, one, kind of eliminating any, like, um, you know, just like uh, people that create up come up with all sorts of reasons as to why they can't do that kind of uh, business. And, you know, uh, I've never been one of those people that like puts a ceiling on what we can accomplish. Uh, you know, just like as soon as we hit a billion, I'm already kind of trying to figure out how we can do two and two and a half and three. Like I'm already thinking that far out and like how to get there. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think one of the things is frankly, just like, you know, one, you gotta be, you gotta ultimately decide that this is your profession, that you're going to be a master of your craft. And you've just got to learn, like, you know, you got to treat, like, if you're a loan officer, right, that means, like, understanding all the products, understanding the guidelines, understanding the process from hello to funding to post-closing to everything, like, really becoming, understanding it, uh, understanding what the other sides of the transaction, what the attorneys are doing, what the appraisers are doing, what the inspectors are doing, what the title companies do, and, like, how all that all comes together to help the consumer, and then just, like, you know, building uh, people around you uh, that are going to help you fulfill what clients expect uh, over and over and over again, uh, repeatable, consistent, and at a high standard. And that means evolving. Uh, that means, you know, um, you know, with, with the business, uh, you know, I don't do business the way I used to do it 10 years ago and the business isn't done. Although there is loan officers out there that do. And guess what? Like they're not doing the kind of volume that we are, you know, like, um, so, um, so, yeah, I mean, the advice is, one, work on your business, uh, become a master of your business, study it, you know, in any other, like, you know, if you want to be a doctor or an attorney, you got to go to school for years and years and years and years, and you learn all this foundational stuff that you might not even apply in some cases, but, like, you just got to know it because it's important to have that really core understanding of everything that goes into what you do. Uh, in our business, you have to take, like, a 40-hour week, 40-hour uh, class and then take an exam and you're good to go. But like, that doesn't mean you're, you're great at what you do. So like, um, I think that, you know, really just kind of becoming a master of the business and then just constantly working on it, listen to what the clients want, watch what other really successful people are doing. You know, my most, I, I get excited when I talk to some of the other loan originators across the country internally at guaranteed rate and then externally at other companies and hear what they're doing. I talk to other people that are talking to those people and hear what they're doing. And then I, you know, obviously I pull a lot from other industries because like, um, you know, th there's a just as much to learn from other industries uh, as there are our industries in terms of just like 
fulfillment, you know, like, um, and, and expectation setting, you know, I've read, I've read books about like tech companies and I'm like, wow, like, it's like, it's at the end of the day, all they're trying to do is like, you know, move things forward, more efficient, better processes. And it kind of, it, it works in our business. So, um, you know, anything's possible in this business. Certainly, you know, when I used to, was doing $50 million, never did I think we'd be sitting here talking about me doing a billion dollars. There's weeks where we fund 50 billion, 50 million now. And, 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 and it's been crazy, but at the same time, you know, um, I also think like, you know, I, we can do as much as we want, you know, uh, if you look at, you know, some of these companies, like, you know, some of the companies out there that, you know, there's like four or five companies that are completely crushing it right now, guaranteed rate, one of them that didn't even exist 20 years ago. And now they're doing billions and billions and billions of dollars a month in mortgage business. And they all started out with one or two people. So like, uh, certainly if they can grow that big, uh, you know, people listening on this call can, can do a hundred million or 50 million or 30 million, whatever the number is that works for you. It's not, it's not a one size fits all. Like, I don't know why I chose this path, like in terms of like having to do what we're doing, but like you can be equally as happy with what works for you. Sean, thank you so much for, for talking with us today. Been really interesting and we so appreciate it. Oh, truly my pleasure. This was fun. Uh, it's kind of good to, you know, I turned uh, 40 a couple weeks ago. I had my 10 year anniversary and then we hit a billion dollars all within like three weeks. Wow. Uh, so been, yeah. So it, it was, it's been like a lot of like reflecting and like being really appreciative for everything that's kind of gone on. So it's, it's fun to talk about it. Um, you know, it kind of gives me a break from like, you know, moving forward and always constantly kind of pushing. So um, it, it's nice to kind of sit back, relax and enjoy it for a minute here. So thank you for allowing me to do that. Oh, we're so happy. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please don't forget to give us feedback and rate us on iTunes. Also, make sure to check out HousingWire's latest podcast, The Daily Download, which is a daily wrap of HousingWire's hottest stories, now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. See you next week.